0: Following is a presentation of artisan church in Rochester, New York.
1: Also, zuerst uh, ich lese auf Deutsch. Und Mose ging heraus und sagte dem Volk die Wörter des Herrn, und verschmelte siebig Männer aus den Ältesten des Volks und stellte sie rings um die Stiftschütte. Da kam der Herr hernieder in der Folge und redet mit ihm und nahm von dem Geist, der auf ihm war, und legte ihn auf die Zitzburg Ältesten. Und als der Geist auf ihnen rührte, gereitet sie in Verzugung wie Propheten und Hirten nicht auf. Als wären aber nach zwei Männer im Lager geblieben, der eine heißt Eldad, der andere Midad. Und der Geist kam über sie, denn sie waren auch aufgeschrieben, jedoch nicht hinausgegangen zu dem Stiftschütter, Und sie gerieten in Verzückung im Läger. Da lief ein junger Mann hin und sagte es Mose und sprach, Eldad und Midad sind in Verzückung im Läger. Da antwort Joschre, der Sohn Nuns, der dem Mose diente von seiner Jugend und ansprach, Mose, mein Herr, wer Ihnen? Aber Mose sprach zu ihm, Er du um mein Willen, wollte Gott, dass alle im Volk des Herrn Propheten waren and the English. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied but they did not continue doing it. Now, two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran out and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp.
2: Everyone, I'll be reading first in my native tongue, Finnish. Siksi sanon teille selvästi, että kukaan joka puhuu Jumalan hengen valtamana, ei voi sanoa, Yes on kirottu. Kukaan ei myöskään voi sanoa, Yes on Herra muuten kuin pyhän hengen vaikutuksesta. Armolahjoja on monenlaisia, mutta henki on sama. Myös palvelutehtäviä on monenlaisia, mutta Herra on sama. Jumalan voiman vaikutuksia on monenlaisia, mutta Hän, joka meissä kaikissa kaiken vaikuttaa, on sama. Hän antaa hengen ilmetä itse erityisellä tavalla yhteiseksi hyödyksi. Yhden ja saman hengen voimasta toinen saa kyvyn jakaa viisautta, toinen kyvyn jakaa tietoa toiselle sama henki suo uskonvoiman toiselle parantamisen lahjan joku saa voiman tehdä ihmeitä joku profetoimisen lahjan joku kyvyn erottaa eri henget toisistaan joku kielillä puhumisen lahjan joku taas kyvyn tulkita tällaista puhetta kaikin tämän saa aikaan yksi ja sama henki joka jakaa kullekin omat lahjansa niin kuin tahtoo Kristus on niin kuin ihmisruumis, joka on yksi kokonaisuus, mutta jossa on monta jäsentä. Vaikka jäseniä on monta, ne kaikki yhdessä muodostavat yhden ruumiin. Meidät kaikki, olimmepä juutalaisia tai kreikkalaisia, orjia tai vapaita, on kastettu yhdeksi ruumiksi. Yksi ja sama henki on yhdistänyt meidät. Kaikki me olemme saaneet juoda samaa henkeä now in English therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says that Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit and there are varieties of services but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities But it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit who allows to each one individually, just as the spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ for in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit.
3: Évangile de Jésus-Christ selon Saint Jean Le dernier jour de la fête est le plus important. Ce jour-là, Jésus, debout, dit d'une voix forte, Si quelqu'un a soif, il peut venir à moi et boire. Celui qui croit en moi, des fleuves d'eau couleront de son cœur, et cette eau donne la vie. On lit cela dans les livres saints. Par ces mots, Jésus parle de l'Esprit de Dieu. Ceux qui croient en Jésus vont recevoir cet esprit, mais à ce moment-là, l'Esprit-Saint n'est pas encore venu. En effet, Dieu n'a pas encore montré la gloire de Jésus. chapter seven, verses 37 to 39. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified.
0: Well, good morning, artists and family. Uh, today is, of course, Pentecost Sunday. This is a day when we would remember the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church gathered in Jerusalem. The day when the promises that Jesus made, that he would send an advocate, a helper, a comforter, when those promises would have come to their fruition for the church. A day when we remember that the believers were gathered together, And people from all over the known world were in that city because it was a holy day and a day when we remember that the Spirit descended and the the believers began to speak in other languages and everyone who was visiting the city heard the gospel proclaimed in their own language. I mentioned earlier that we have a longstanding Pentecost Sunday tradition where we have not only have the Bible passages read in various languages, which we've uh, still done today, but where we would um, hear from people in the artisan community in the form of uh, reflections on those passages um, as a, a way of reminding ourselves that the Spirit speaks to and through all people. Not just the people who are professional clergy, not just the people who have special education or training, but through everybody. And we were making plans to do all of that today. Uh, But current events in our country uh, led me to change the plan somewhat. Um, We're trying to keep other parts of our liturgy intact because it's not so much that we want to pretend that this is business as usual in the church. But we do want to be reminded that these traditions and customs and forms of worship can be an anchor point for us, a familiarity for us, and a a sense uh, that God is with us through the good and the bad. Um, One of those is, of course, Holy Communion, which we will be celebrating together, maybe with a special emphasis on our brokenness a little bit later. Um, So if you haven't already gathered near you, some bread and wine or whatever you have, that's close enough to that. You can go and get those now or at any point in the next few minutes. You know, it occurred to me that the original plan for May 31st, 2020 was not in fact to do our regular Pentecost reflections. That was the more recent plan um, but we only used that as a fallback after we realized that we were going to be still in quarantine on this particular day. Do you know? Do you know what our original plan was for May 31st, 2020? We would all have been in this room together with each other, and with our friends from Weber African Methodist Episcopal Church. Today would have been the day uh, that we worshiped together. Uh, us, a predominantly White congregation, and they are predominantly black congregation. And when the quarantine started and we knew that that was off the table, it was so disappointing because we'd already missed out on worshiping with Baber here and there. I think two out of the last three times we had to make a change of plans. And now this. But as you might imagine, I've been thinking a lot about our beloved uh, siblings in the family of God from Baber during this week. That's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that we have forged that relationship over the years um, and that we have that relational anchor point. It's, it's not so that we can, as a predominantly white church, put that feather in our cap and, and say, we have a lot of white, we have a lot of black friends, you know. Um, We know a lot of black churches that that kind of excuse that gets thrown out for people who don't want to do the hard work of racial justice. That's not what it's about. Um, The reason that I'm so glad that we forged that relationship is because when the horrifying video of George Floyd surfaced um, this week and we saw him lose his life on camera. we don't have any choice but to imagine that that could have been someone that we've stood next to in worship, that we've sang to God right next to in church, someone that we've taken communion with in the same room. And so that when the horrifying video of Ahmaud Aubrey losing his life surfaced after many months... We can't be disconnected from that. We have to imagine that this could uh, have happened to someone who we worship with, even if, even if in our day-to-day lives we, we live and work in predominantly white spaces. When we saw the news about Breonna Taylor or countless other African-Americans who have lost their lives to racial violence, We are now as a church, I hope, more able to imagine the fear that a black mother has when her teenage son leaves the house to go jogging or to visit the corner store wearing a hoodie or countless other activities that for most of us at Artisan are completely safe, unfrightening things to do because I hope because we've forged that relationship that that you don't have the option to think about the world that way anymore. I know that I don't. And so we have to spend some time today lamenting, but that's not really enough. And I've written some stuff down. I I have paper here in front of me, but I don't know what to say at a time like this. Of course we have to grieve and mourn but there has to be more that we can do. I do want to say a brief word about what happened in our own city last night Um, because situations like this can take the focus off where it was Um, which is I think exactly what our enemy wants and what the enemies of racial justice want. Our city was engulfed with destruction last night. And and on the news reports, I see pictures of people breaking windows and police cruisers and and the caption describes them as protesters, but they're not part of the protest. Anybody who was downtown during the protest yesterday, between the hours of one and 4pm, that was a Black Lives Matter demonstration which was an entirely peaceful, which did not cause any destruction. Anybody who was there knows that that's what happened and what didn't happen. And that the, the, the demonstration dispersed at its scheduled time and that only after that did this stuff start to, to go down. Uh, local law enforcement are across the board consistent in describing the events this way, and yet this connection persists between a peaceful demonstration against police violence and um, mass chaos and rioting and looting and destruction. It seems quite likely, in fact, that people, some of the people who incited that destruction and violence weren't even from Rochester, that they were uh, professional organized chaos agents. They had nothing to do with the cause of Black Lives Matter. Now, certainly many local people were involved in the the looting and the rioting that went on in, in the hours to follow and even into this morning. And I think that we certainly should condemn that um, behavior It's inconsistent, not only with the original aims of the Black Lives Matter protest, but with the way of Jesus. Of course, that's true. But I think we have to be cautious that our language around condemning that type of behavior doesn't perpetuate more racism. And boy, I, I spent about 10 or 15 minutes on social media this morning, and the language around that is perpetuating more racism. language like thugs and animals, used over and over again. Similar to the language about Tamir Rice, looking old for his age, or Mike Brown being big and scary, or George Floyd having just broken the law, all of these racial stereotypes that are slapped back onto people of color, particularly, in this case, black people. African Americans in our country and in our community. They always recur every time anything like this happens. The script is the same. Part of our duty as anti-racist white people, and I hope that we are, is to reject that kind of language because it perpetuates the problem. One last thing about that. I was really challenged to read, not for the first time, but um, Dr. King's words from the Other America speech. He gave this speech 53 years ago at Stanford University, and this is what he said about riots, race race riots. He said, I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so, in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. He could have spoken those words 53 minutes ago, not 53 years ago. What has changed in the intervening decades? I can think of maybe only one thing, which is the public opinion about Dr. King, because in 1967, the year he gave that speech, a poll determined that he was the most hated man in America. Celebrate him now. I'm not sure we want to listen. I'm not sure that if he was speaking out now about the problems of our day, that he wouldn't still be the hated man in America. I mentioned earlier that today would have been our day to worship with Baber. I spoke with Pastor Simmons last night on the phone, and as usual, Pastor Simmons had a few inspiring bits of wisdom. So, uh, although I can't say that I would preach it with the same exact type of energy that he might bring to this room, um, I do want to pass on the words of wisdom that he gave to me. He noted that it was Pentecost Sunday, and he said that Pentecost is not about the church gathered, but about the church scattered. See, Pentecost started when they were all gathered together, but the real work of the Spirit happened when they scattered to the four corners of the world. When the Christians began to share God's love outside the synagogues, outside the temple, even outside Jerusalem and Israel, If Pentecost is about not the church being gathered, but being scattered, I wonder, where will we go? Where will Artisan go? To whom will we carry the message of God's bottomless, endless love for all humankind? And what will it look like? The second thing he said is that the world at its worst needs the church at its best. And I wonder what the church at its best would look like. We certainly do need to lament, but we've done an awful lot of lamenting over these years. What are we doing to change the situation in our country, in our state, in our county, in our city, in our neighborhoods? in our households, in our hearts. What personal action have we taken, each one of us? I know there's a lot more that I can do. What books could we read? What workshops could we attend? What money could we invest in justice organizations, in black owned businesses? What privilege could we release in order to bring justice to bear for those who don't have as much as we do? I know that privilege can be a really triggering word for some people. Understand that white privilege does not mean that white people have never had challenges. It means that the challenges we have faced are not related to the color of our skin. The benefits that have accrued to me because of who I am and how I was born and where have not accrued to people of the same age, same place as me, who didn't win the lottery quite as much when they were born as I did. What can I do with my resources that I have in part because of my privilege? to make a difference in the world for people who have less? I ask myself that question. I'm not sure I have great answers all the time. It's one little thing at a time that I I realize and, and act in my life. I encourage you to do the same, as always, to reject the lie that if you can't fix the whole thing all at once, it's not worth doing anything at all. What can we be doing in our families? How can we speak about this to our children in a way that helps them understand what the world is really like. How can we speak up at family gatherings when someone says something ill-informed, insensitive, racist? It sure would be a lot easier just to pretend you didn't hear it. But it might be that you're the only person close enough to that family member or coworker to make any difference in their heart and mind. So it might be your job to speak up, even though it's uncomfortable. You know, we don't want to be partisan in the church, but we have to be political. Being political means that we are involved in the polis. That's the Greek word that means city. That's where we get the word political from. And so if you care about your city, you have to be political. I encourage you to reject the notion that any one particular political party has all the right answers. But I also encourage you to reject the idea that anything's going to get accomplished if we don't make political moves, if we don't contact local officials, if we don't demand justice in our local organizations. Pastor Simmons told me Pentecost was the day that the church took to the streets. I wonder how we could take to the streets as artisan church. I know that many of you were able to attend the protest yesterday, the rally uh, downtown. I'm glad that you were. I wish that I'd been able to be there at that time myself. But the work is ongoing, there will be more protests. And I encourage you to go to them and when you go to them, to remember not to center yourself, to follow the lead of the people who are organizing those things. If you are white, follow the lead of the people who are black at a Black Lives Matter protest. We have a tendency to make it all about ourselves all the time, even when we think we're doing so for a good reason. This is one time to be a follower or a shield, not a leader. I know that there's a lot of cleanup efforts happening in our city today, so I encourage you to to look into that. I know the cleanup effort downtown today started at 10 a.m., which was a couple hours ago now, but um, you could probably still get involved with that. And and, uh, you have my permission to turn me off right now and go do it, because it's more important, perhaps, than being here for this. We're gonna continue to work at this. We're still learning more and more every day, I am, you are our community at Artisan is. We're not going to stop learning. We're not going to stop talking about it. We're not going to stop demanding more of each other and of our city, of our elected officials. Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., said, if you're not working for justice, stop calling for peace. That one hit me pretty hard. Because I call for peace all the time. I'm sure not working for justice all the time. So may we be a people who are formed not just for peace, but for justice. Oh Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, we need you now. May we see new works of the Spirit in our time and in our place. O Lord, break up the hardened soil of our hearts that we might be fertile ground for something healthy to grow. O Lord, we are thirsty. May we drink up the water of life that Jesus offers to us. O Lord, the whole world is thirsty. May rivers of living water flow from our hearts to quench the thirst of those in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our country, and our planet. Come, Holy Spirit, this day, we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you now, if you have uh, not gathered your communion elements, to go ahead and do that. I have them here uh, with me. And you can take your bread, hold it and ponder it, feel it in your hands, this physical token of Christ's presence. Remember that it is his brokenness that saved the world. And our brokenness is capable of experiencing God in a way that changes our world as well. Remember it as often as you eat it. And you can take your cup, And remember that this cup is the new covenant in Christ's blood. Remember that Christ's blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. My sins, your sins, the sins of the whole world, communal, systemic, individual. May our brokenness, may our own bloodshed be part of saving God's world. Remember his sacrifice when you drink of it. May you know the real presence of Christ the Savior. May you be nourished in your bodies and souls by his body and blood. May you remember your unity with each other, with Baber, with churches all around our city, with Christians all across the world. With believers across time. May we be one in the Spirit this Pentecost and always. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.